This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 402. Thank you for joining me once again and welcome to to our first time listeners. Thank you for discovering us. Hopefully you hit the subscribe button and you become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au and this week we're going to be talking about the NBN and they're offering even faster speed tiers, if you can believe that. Australians have set online shopping records during the coronavirus restrictions and Arlo has released a new wire-free floodlight camera. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Eco Android TV. Sony has launched the new ZV-1 pocket camera and the device that can charge all of your Apple products at once. And we'll answer all your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Now, there may be some listeners, whenever I talk about the NBN and these three new faster speed tiers, their response might be, well, hell must have frozen over because there's a lot of people out there that are on the NBN and are not getting anywhere near the the speeds they desire. Uh, I, I, I hear you all, and I, I'm hoping that the problems you have with the internet is not your own problem and by that I mean a lot of people have complained to me that their NBN is is rubbish but then a little further investigation shows that many of these people my my readers and listeners actually the NBN is coming into their home fine and at the right speed but it's their Wi-Fi that's that's leading them to believe that their connection is is poor so what I suggest they do is they connect their laptop to or a desktop to the modem directly with a cable. This will give you your true internet speed. Then go into the middle of your house with your mobile phone or a tablet or a laptop wirelessly connected to your network. Run the speed test again and that figure is usually what is low. Like if if that's less than... 50% of what you're getting connected through the modem, then it's the Wi-Fi that's the problem. And I've got to say, 90% of the people who've complained to me about their NBN connection, it actually wasn't the NBN, it was their Wi-Fi. The NBN providers provide, they give you a modem with Wi-Fi, a router built in. The the router part's normally rubbish, so you probably need to get yourself a mesh Wi-Fi router like the Netgear Orbi. And it gives one of our sponsors, of course, and and I have not ever, ever had anyone come back to me and tell me that the Orbi didn't solve their problems. But let's get on to the point of this segment about the NBN. And when this was announced, there was a lot of response to this. The fact that they the NBN is going to release three new residential faster speed tiers. Now, tiers, that's probably what a lot of people have had over the NBN in the last couple of years. But the tiers I'm talking about are the three new plans, the NBN Home Fast Plan, the NBN Home Super Fast Plan, and the NBN Home Ultra Fast Plan. Now, these are plans that, uh, in response to NBN customers, not surprisingly, 23% of customers across Australia have upgraded to higher speed internet plan so a lot of people would be say on a 25 megabits per second plan upgraded to a 50 or the people on the 50 megabit per second plans they thought you know what let's go 100 and they've done that so a lot of research has shown that in movement between those plans 23 percent of customers went higher very rare you hear of people reducing the speed of their plans and the research also suggests that in the next 12 months 24 percent are going to upgrade within the next year as well. So all around, we feel the need for speed, especially when it comes to the internet, and the NBN has responded. Now, late last week, they had made this announcement. The NBN Home Fast Plan is actually the same speed as the fastest plan we've got. 
In fact, this is worse. Like, I'm on the NBN here. I've got fibre to the curb, and I have a 140 plan. That means I've got 100 down, 40 megabits per second up. And the lowest tier of these new speed tiers, the first one is NBN Home Fast, which is 100 megabits per second down, but only 20 megabits per second up. That's actually worse than what I've got. But I can understand for some other customers, this is a massive improvement on their existing plan. They might be on a 50. Now, the next plan up, and now we're talking about speed, the NBN Home Super Fast, that's 250 megabits per second download speeds, but only 25 megabits per second up, which I find that, that, that sort of unbalanced. You're entitled to have a decent upload speed if you're getting a decent download speed. Now, a lot of people say, uh, they talk about, up. Well, everyone knows what download is, right? You're streaming, you're downloading, it's all coming to you. And a lot of people don't pay attention to upload speeds, but it is really important. A lot of people say, oh, I, don't, I don't upload much. Well, you actually do. Every time you send an email, every time you send a file to someone, every time you access your security cameras from your phone, they're uploading to your device. And of course, if you upload to YouTube or whatever, that's an upload, of course. But don't think you're not uploading. And that that upload speed, I think, is really important, especially when we get to when there's more, even more smarter devices in our homes where we'll be uploading a lot more information and accessing data from our home networks and our home devices. So they all require an upload. So I find that rather strange that the NBN, and these are residential plans, don't forget, not business plans. I think the NBN is really scared that we're going to set up some kind of server at our house or something like that. I'm not sure. Anyway, moving up to the NBN Home Ultrafast, and this is where the rubber hits the road here. This is what we're talking about. NBN Home Ultrafast, 1,000 megabits per second, so a gigabit per second, which is 10 times what I have right now. And what everyone else has right now as well, if you're on the 100, this is 100 down and only 50 up, 50 megabits per second up. Now, before you all reach for the phone or look up your internet service provider to book yourself in for these new super fast and ultra fast plans, I should warn you that not everyone can get it. Now, the, the first plan, the home fast, that's across available across all fixed line NBN technology. So no matter what NBN connection you got, you'll be able to get 100 down, 20 up. But if you want to move up to the 250 or the 1000, but you, you'll need to be a fiber to the premises customer or a HFC customer. And HFC is hybrid fiber coaxial. So basically it's the old Telstra Foxtel cable. If that is your technology, you are eligible for those faster speeds. But not, not even all of those customers can get it. The 250 megabits per second download speeds, only 32% of fiber or, NFC or HFC customers can get it. The 1,000 megabits per second, only 18% of fiber and HFC customers can also get that as well. So not everyone, even if you do have fiber, you're thinking, yes, you might not be eligible to get it at this point but yeah the, the nbn's gone through a lot in the last few months and i've got to say i've got to take my hat off to them the the network has stood up during all the lockdown all the restrictions we're going to talk in the next segment about what we got to up to online but in terms of working from home learning from home and still streaming way more than we normally would because we're at home all the time we're in lockdown the nbn has stood up and what what if if you don't if you're not eligible for these plans, what you what the NBN is also going to do, you'll be finding and and do your speed test. If you're a current NBN customer, do your speed test in the next between June and August. The NBN is gonna they're planning to over over provision the existing speed tiers. In other words, if you're on a let's say well take my case, I'm on a hundred megabits per second down. I do a speed test. If I'm if I'm getting 93, 94, sometimes I've had 96 megabits per second down, I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. And in terms of upload speeds, I'm 40 up. If I get 34, 35, sometimes I've had 38, again, happy camper. So 
with the over-provisioning, what the NBN is going to do is to bring you closer to those speeds. So they're going to dial it up a touch to give you closer to what you're paying for. I think they, they, they put that buffer zone in there, which is why a lot of providers have to provide a, a figure for typical evening speeds. They have to tell you that. Because if, you, if they didn't tell you that and you're getting 85 when you're paying for 100, you'd be blowing up. So that's why we have the typical evening speeds. That's why I think the NBN put that little buffer in there just so that imagine if everyone could access at 100 all at the same time in its early stages. It can obviously handle it now, but in its early stages, it might have uh, might have complicated things a little bit. But now, obviously, they're, they're doing pretty well if they can over-provision the existing wholesale fixed-line speed tiers. Now, Aussie Broadband actually jumped the gun with their announcement uh, because these, these official, those higher speed tiers weren't official till Friday. And a day before, two days before, Aussie Broadband jumped the gun and, and immediately were offering uh, 1,050 NBN plans for residential customers uh, that had, and they specified you needed fibre to the premises and some of the HFC network on their footprint. So uh, they, they jumped the gun and at, at the price they're offering it, they announced 1000 up, down, 50 up for $149 a month with unlimited data. If I could get that on, I'm with Optus right now. If I could get that, even if I had to change to Aussie Broadband, I would get that tomorrow because I've got a few people in my house. We do download a fair bit. We stream a lot. Everyone's up streaming their own stuff. I play online and all this sort of gear that's going on in my house. And you, as you'd imagine, I've got a lot of connected devices here. I would jump at this in a heartbeat. I even looked on Optus' website, but I know because I'm not a fibre to the premises or HFC customer, I can't get it. But you know what I've done? As, as it is now, right, I'm fibre to the curb, and which means that I've got fibre running up my footpath. But from the pit to my house is a copper line, the existing copper line that was there. And you know what? It's worked. I'm getting the speeds that, that, that I'm paying for. It's all good. But I've now set in motion an inquiry with the NBN about replacing the copper line from the pit to my home with fibre. And I'll keep you in the loop. This is going to go on. I think that's not something that's going to happen overnight. But I want to, I'm taking, I'm taking on this exercise so I can talk about it and write about it on Tech Guide as well. Because there are a lot of people who, if they could pay for it to improve their connection, they would. Now, word of warning. To do this, just to ask, just to apply to have your your setup changed or altered, whatever you want to do, replaced, it's $450 minimum charge just to apply. So just to ask them, it's going to cost you $450 minimum. Could be more, maybe if you're a business or you've got a bigger house, whatever. It's going to cost you just to ask. And that's not taking into account the actual cost of doing the work, which would run, for for me, all I'd need is an eight-metre piece of fibre replaced at both ends, pit and in my house. I'm estimating that they're probably going to tell me that's going to cost about three to $4,000 to do that. I don't know. I'm ho- I hope I'm wrong. If it's under $2,000, I'd seriously consider it because I want the faster speed and... Uh, but I'd have to take into account, of course, how much it costs. But just so you know, it isn't something that they're going to say, sure, have some fibre and give us $50. It's It costs a lot more than that. But anyway, stay tuned. I will be keeping you in the loop on how that all goes. Hopefully, we'll have a result and hopefully it won't cost me the earth. But if you want to read more about the NBN speed tiers and the new Aussie broadband plan as well, for 149 bucks, that's pretty good. Uh, you can check those stories out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, I mentioned we when we were in our coronavirus restrictions, a lockdown, whatever you want to call it, we were spending a hell of a lot of time at home. And of course, as I said, we relied on the NBN for working, for learning, streaming, shopping as well. That's what we found. The coronavirus crisis has seen us set online shopping records. And this is according to PayPal Australia, 
who have uh, released some information, some stats about their sign-ups because PayPal is an online payment form that is used heavily on eBay and other areas. Other sites take PayPal as well and it is a safe and easy way to pay online. And PayPal, sign-ups to PayPal during the COVID-19 restrictions. So the the, the month of, of April, so the whole month of April was probably the, the, the whole... That was probably the only entire month, apart from late May, but April, all of April, we were in, had restrictions. So for the month of April, signups to PayPal tripled during the COVID-19 restrictions. This is compared to pre-pandemic levels. And the, the funny thing is, though, that of those new signups, it, it, the 65% of those, compared to year-on-year stats, were Australians age 50 or over. So what this, what that says to me is that there are a lot of people who were they were kind of forced to purchase stuff online. The, by the sounds of that, there are a lot of people who realised, well, I can't, this shop that I want to get to is closed because of the restrictions or whatever. So a lot of people realised, well, I'm going to shop online. Oh, a lot, for a lot of people, it was the first time. A lot of you listening now might think, online shopping, I've been doing that for years. But there's a lot of lot of customers out there, especially older customers in their 50s, 60s, 70s, online shopping to them might be a new thing. And, and the, COVID, the COVID restrictions perhaps forced them to do that for the first time. The other thing as well that a lot of people tried for the first time was going cashless. So there were a lot of stores that offered, that only asked if people could pay tap and go. Just be a bit more hygienic. We didn't want to be giving cash and exchanging bills and coins. And, you know, this was at the height of the dramas and the height of the of the pandemic where you, you think that everything you touched had the coronavirus on it. So not touching money was one less worry that we had. So that's why the move to going cashless, according to PayPal again, has probably advanced the cashless society timeline. They're saying it's it's sped that up by about five years. So the progress we're at now was what they anticipated where it would be by 2025. So this is another thing that's been accelerated during the restrictions is going cashless. So what did we buy, though, when we were online? And again, a lot of people trying this for the first time. This is what we these these are the most popular things we bought online. Groceries, meal delivery, so your Uber Eats and Deliveroo and all those other ones, uh, menu log, all of those. Alcohol, we were buying alcohol to be delivered, as well as uh, subscription services, whether it's Netflix or whatever subscription that we're in. Uh, and the other popular products to purchase online were, not surprisingly, tech products. Because you think about it, a lot of people needed keyboards and mice. They needed to set up their home workspace. They needed new routers. They needed new laptops. They needed everything. So tech, no no surprise there. But also to home improvement products because we had time. We had time to do things, to improve things, to renovate things. To A lot of people also were installing smart devices for the first time. They had time to actually to do this. So no surprise that those products were popular as well. The other thing too, though, you got to remember, there's always got to be someone to spoil the party. And these bastard cyber criminals, they took advantage of this situation. They were out in force. Now, according to these stats, the ACCC reported more than 2,000 scams during the coronavirus crisis, which resulted in more than $700,000 in losses. That's just in Australia. So this was, it was ideal for these cyber criminals because people were online, we were curious about coronavirus, we were searching, we were, a lot of people were waiting for Centrelink payments, JobKeeper, they took advantage of that, imitating JobKeeper, they imitated Centrelink, phishing emails, and you have to remember, most workers normally under the protection of their corporate, their corporate firewalls, their IT departments, we were working from home. There's no, you don't have your own IT department at home, unfortunately. So those people working at home, from home, for a big corporation, they were the ones that were caught out. So the emails coming in through their, their work emails were sometimes the ones that fooled them. The phishing emails got through. So it's, 
it, it's not not the best result for everyone. Of course, we loved shopping. We went cashless, but there were still these bludgers who were trying to scam us out of our money. But I think one thing we've learnt, and I think we're going to continue. A lot of us are going to continue to work from home. A lot, a lot of us are going to continue to online shop. One stat there that was really interesting to me was that grocery delivery. So grocery shopping. This is the best example. One, the people who who had no other alternative but to buy their groceries online, the PayPal stats say that one in three of those people who began online grocery shopping during the pandemic will continue to do so. So on one third of people who bought their groceries online are going to continue to do that moving forward, despite the restrictions now starting to lift. If you want to read more about that PayPal story and all those stats, you can check it out, techguide.com.au. Righto, next up, our good mates at Arlo have just released the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera. Now, we've all all heard of Arlo cameras before. Arlo have their pro cameras. They have their ultra cameras. They are the number one wire-free camera brand in Australia, and their cameras, really easy to set up, offer great quality, and they've just added to the lineup with the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera. So when you look at this from the front, you'll see that familiar oval shape of the Arlo Pro 3 camera. It's in the middle of this panel. On either side of that oval shape are the LED lights. It actually looks quite sleek. When, when, it's, when you look at it, it's like an elongated Pro 3 camera, but we, and with the LED lights on either side, it looks like a shield on either side of the, of the camera. And it is motion sensitive, of course. You can set it, you can arm it so that whenever it detects movement, the lights will come on. And of course, the camera turns on as well. So you're getting uh, 2K video through the camera. So that's uh, really great detail. It includes HDR as well, high dynamic range. So you'll see if it's a particularly bright day, you'll still see the day, the, the details. And if it's even in the dark, you see a little bit more as well. It's got color night vision, as all the same features that the Arlo Pro 3 camera has. But one thing that it has a unique feature with a floodlight camera, that is, is that it's wire-free. Every other wire uh, floodlight camera, including Ring, they've got a floodlight camera, but the only version you can buy is a wired version. So Arlo have developed the first wire-free solution, which basically means you can place this anywhere within range of your network and then sync it up. It does have a larger battery on board, so the typical Arlo Pro 3 camera is kind of a squarish shape. The Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera battery is a longer rectangular battery, so obviously more juice to run not only the camera, but also the LED floodlight, which is really bright. My review, it'll be on next week's show. I've only just installed the camera here at home. It's going to go on sale, I think, later this week. It's going to be $449. It can also sync to your other Arlo cameras. Uh, If you've got an Arlo base station, which I have, it detected that straight away. Or you can set it up on its own. You don't need the, the base station. This can be a one-out purchase, and you'll still be able to monitor it all through the Arlo floodlight camera. You can even you even get three months free subscription to their AI service that allows you to store up to 30 days of recordings, and it's also smart enough to detect things like and send you notifications if it detects things like pets, cars, people, and packages. So imagine that setting a, a, an alert if when a package is delivered. That's pretty cool. Well, the Arlo wire-free Pro 3 floodlight camera can do that. 449, it's available soon. There will be a review not only on Tech Guide but also on a future episode of the Tech Guide podcast. So if you want to read more about that, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by our good mates at Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, we live in a world where we're constantly connected, cyber attacks more prevalent than ever. I was speaking earlier about all the coronavirus scams. 
lots of phishing scams, ransomware, online predators, big data tracking every move. We need to protect ourselves. All these cyber threats have evolved, which is why Norton has too. The new Norton 360 gives you next-level protection, combining the power of device security with a secure VPN to help keep you and your family safe and private online. The new Norton 360 is all-in-one protection for your devices and your online privacy. It's available now at leading retailers or au.norton.com. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Okay, our first, first review for the week for the, this episode is a TV. It's the Echo. It's an E-K-O. Is it Echo? Echo? I'm going to call it Echo. It's an Android TV, and this is a TV that is uh, from the Blaupunkt family. So that's a famous European brand there. And this is an Android TV. And this is, look, this is an affordable TV. It's $699. I did review the 55-inch version, 699 And it is a handy TV because of a number of factors. Number one, it's an Android TV. So it's 4K, Ultra HD, so all the resolution you expect. But being an Android TV presents a few advantages. Uh, number one is that you can download all the apps that you want to watch on it. And I should I should mention, it does come out of the box with Netflix, Stan, and all the majors on board YouTube. They're already installed. In fact, Netflix and YouTube have shortcut buttons on the remote control. But for new services, say say that you're a subscriber to uh, Amazon Prime, you can download that from the um, from the Android, the Google Play Store, which is what you get when you're on the Android TV. But say that you've just been uh, you're a KO subscriber, the streaming sports service. Just download the app through the Google Play Store, as easy as as you would as if it's on your phone. Uh, same deal for the new Binge streaming services. Again, for a Foxtel company. That is also available to download right out of the Google Play Store like you would on your mobile. Now, Samsung, LG and Hisense don't have that at the moment. They've got to build their own apps to run on their own respective televisions operating systems. So that's a bit of work, not only from Samsung, but also from those streaming companies. Of course, they want the eyeballs. They want to be on the, all these TVs. But the advantage of having an Android TV means that you've got the Google Play Store at your fingertips and you can download this straight away. And then you know it's going to run on Android. It's, it's also the same story for Sony. Sony TVs run Android. So if you're a Sony TV owner, good luck to you because you can download all these latest streaming services without those company having to wait for the companies uh, to work with Binge and KO and all these other companies to actually create the app. It's there anyway. So that's, look, out of the box, that is a pretty good advantage. Now, I should mention the Echo TVs are available through Big W. You can purchase them from there. And look, it's not a bad-looking TV. For for the price, it's got thin bezels, a really discreet stand. You can also wall-mount it if you want it. It has all the right the right mounts as well if you want to mount it on the wall. It's a 4K TV. It's got a 60 hertz refresh rate, 5,001 contrast ratio. It can display more than a billion colors. Now, they all sound impressive, but... When you think about it, we're talking about when you can. People are thinking, well, that's pretty good, but you got to remember that you get what you pay for here. This isn't like a Samsung QLED or an LG OLED TV or a Hisense ULED TV that have way better refresh rates, way better contrast ratio, and billions more colors. So you got to remember what you're looking at here. You, you're kind of looking at a, a Hyundai, and those other brands are BMW, Mercedes-Benz, and an Alfa Romeo. So you you got to know what like like for like apples and oranges. You're not paying for the same TV. But the, the advantage here, though, is that this is a $699 TV that actually, out of the box, offers pretty impressive results. It is affordable. You can stream Netflix, Amazon, YouTube straight out of the box. Contrast ratio is decent, so you, you, this, you see my pictures on my review. Look, I think a lot of people will find that quite an acceptable picture. It's nowhere near as good as what you get with a with a decent Samsung, LG or Hisense TV or a Sony TV. There's a lot more work went into their processes and the panels for those companies. But this is still pretty good out of the box. It's quite impressive for the price. So I just want people to get an idea that 
you get what you pay for here. If you're after some value, you're after a more affordable TV, you might want like a second TV for your bedroom or maybe a TV for your kid's playroom or TV for your man cave or whatever you're looking for. This is a decent alternative because it is handy. Uh, it does have four HDMI connections, including one which has the ARC audio return channel, so you might be able to pump up the sound with a, with a sound bar. The speakers on board are pretty good. There, there is the, I've heard better. But still, not a deal breaker. I think they're they're good enough. They're, they're, people would would it's it's acceptable sound quality. Obviously, not as good as you you'd get with a soundbar or a dedicated home theater system, or for a more expensive TV that has Dolby Atmos and all this other technology built in. Uh, there's also a USB port. Although we had some dramas with the USB port, I, I had a couple of thumb drives. Wanted to play some some videos from the USB. I wanted to use them as a background um, for a video that I was shooting. Uh, just didn't didn't quite read the USB properly, but I don't know we, we were doing wrong. I don't think I was doing anything wrong. Just wouldn't read the. It was in the right format. I had them. I had them. They were MP4 files, so it should have worked okay. You can though also use the U that USB port to record content. Um, so uh, you can use uh, turns the TV into a PVR, so you'd be able to record your favourite programs. Uh, the TV uh, now I mentioned earlier it's got 60 hertz. That refresh rate is actually pretty slow, especially if you love watching sport and if you love watching action films and things like that. So the TV lacks that sort of necessary higher refresh rate for smoother viewing for watching sport. Sport, I think, if you watch, if you're a big sports fan, I wouldn't settle for anything less than 120 hertz. Preferably go 200 hertz, just so you get a better, smoother picture. Because what happens when the pixels move so quickly, the refresh rate of the TV can't keep up with the pixel changes. So you kind of get a little bit of juddering, a little bit of ghosting. So you kind of see a bit of a trail behind fast-moving objects. Uh, so that that that's that's one downside. Although it does say it has a high-motion processor, and yeah, it it kind of smoothed it out a little bit, but. You, you, you can't you can't compare to having the physical refresh rate built-in refresh rate on the TV that that process that did a good job not a bad job but I still noticed all the judder and things you would expect from a lower refresh rate on a television uh, it also has onboard Wi-Fi so really easy to connect it to your network uh, can run also all the catch-up apps so what I, I, we had this set up in our in a room upstairs that never had an aerial connection. But with all the catch-up apps, we were all able to watch through the Wi-Fi. Luckily, we got good Wi-Fi upstairs. I was able to watch all the free-to-air uh, live TV through those catch-up services. So 9, 7, I think I did 10 as well, but definitely 7 and 9. I could watch live programming through the app. It was being streamed through the catch-up app. So don't panic if you don't have a, an antenna, an aerial connection in the room. It can, if you've got decent Wi-Fi or a physical cable to connect from a modem or a router, you'll be able to watch free-to-air as well as accessing all those apps, of course. Helps having Wi-Fi. Um, I did have dramas with the HDMI ports as well. And look, shout-out to the guys from, from Echo who lent me the TV. They did offer to replace the TV a couple of times, but I did a factory reset, and it seemed to fix the problem. Uh, it, it was it was okay after I did the reset. Uh, one other thing I, I noticed, though, too, is I had the remote control trying to turn the TV on a couple of times, and it refused to turn on. It was like a five minutes of me pressing the on button. It just didn't work. Uh, I don't know. I must have had a faulty TV, I think. But in the end, it still worked. It, it, I, I got everything that I needed out of it for the review. It, uh, there were other reviewers that looked at the same TV as I did and none of them reported this issue. So I think they might have given me a faulty TV. But at this moment in time, which I've still got the TV, it is working fine. So don't don't be uh, don't be turned away by that. Uh, it's it's an issue, no doubt, just with my TV. Uh, look, I think for the price, you, you're paying six nine nine here for a fifty five inch Android TV. Now I know if you want to buy a fifty five inch Samsung or a, or an LG or a Hisense or a Sony, you're probably going to pay another five hundred bucks here, um, and you you won't get the same kind of uh, ability to download those apps straight away. If you if you've just subscribed to Binge or you got KO and you don't want to Chromecast it, you want to watch it on the TV, then this is a solution straight out of the box that'll help you. Uh, the TV is available from Big W and I think look, decent value for customers looking for maybe if they're desperate for a connected smart TV on a budget, or maybe a second TV or a TV for the kids room, the man cave. 
definitely worth a look. If you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're talking about Sony's new ZV-1 camera. And isn't this a cracker? This is good for... And look, there's a lot of people who are content creators. They're vloggers. They're, they just want to be able to record what's going on around them in better quality than using their smartphone. A lot, a lot of people, their go-to camera is their smartphone. But if you want to... You want to create that content, record that video in slightly better quality or a lot better quality, you can resort to a camera like this. Now, this is a pocket-sized camera. So this isn't a, a DSLR where it's larger, you, you, pop, you, you pop out lenses and replace lenses. This is a pocket camera that, as its name suggests, fits in your pocket, which means it's small. So it's got a fixed lens. It's got a f1.8 to 2.8 Zeiss Vario Sonar large aperture lens. So you can it's a 24 to 70 millimeter lens, and has a CMOS image sensor, and has the ability even with that fixed lens to create a that bokeh effect. So you know that depth of field where you can have the person in the foreground in focus, the background out of focus. It is still able. Normally, only DSLRs and phones with with certain uh, with multiple lenses can can achieve that. But the Sony ZV-1 can do it. It's a really really nice little camera. Now, what I think is going to really impress people, and I haven't got this by the way. This will be again another upcoming review. I'm, I should receive this camera this week. The thing with Sony's cameras, and I, I've got an A6400. Uh, I've got an Alpha 9 as well, and I'm a big fan of their cameras and their autofocus. They focus really fast. So their autofocus systems, are, or we already know they're great. Now, on the ZV-1, they've brought all that over, but also have given the camera, this little camera, the ability for real-time tracking. So you can keep subjects in frame uh, and in focus, even when they're moving at high speed. But here's a feature that I'm going to use that I'm really going to love. It's called Product Showcase. So people like myself and other, other vloggers and other journalists, they use these cameras to review products, especially when they're out and about. It's really easy to take this camera with you anywhere. And often we need to show a product. It's normally a smaller device. You hold it close to the camera and might take a second or two to focus. Look, doesn't look the best. But with the new product showcase setting, the, the focus absolutely snaps into place in an instant. So I could have, say I'm holding a phone and I stretch my arm out and show it, put it closer to the lens of the camera, it'll instantly snap onto that focus and show. And then when I take it away, it'll snap back on to focus on me in an instant. That is Sony focus. And a lot of vloggers, a lot of a lot of people who, photographers and videographers, that's a common saying among these people, this group of people that are talking about the Sony focus. And their autofocus is industry leading. And it sounds like they've brought that to the ZV-1 as well. What it also has is a little swing-out screen. It's called the Vary Angle Screen. Now, on the older camera, like they, their other camera before this that was a pocket camera was the RX100. And uh, they had the RX100, Mark III, Mark IV. And it had a similar design, and the camera flipped upwards, which is good to see yourself, but limiting if you want to put a, a shotgun mic on top or a light so it was very, you either had to have the screen or your accessory. You couldn't have both. What they've done this time is they've made the screen swing out sideways. So it comes out, if you're looking at the camera from the front, the screen would be on the right-hand side. There's pictures on Tech Guide for you to check out. So if you're shooting yourself, if you're filming yourself, you need to frame yourself so you can see that. So that little swing-out lens, the, the screen is really handy. And what that does, it leaves the top of the camera free if you want to put in the shotgun mic or little light. Or it also leaves the other side free. So the left-hand side has your ports for uh, micro HDMI connection or your 3.5 mil jack to connect a microphone. So they've, they've thought of everything and put it in this little package that 
delivers great results. It can shoot 4K at up to 30 frames per second. Also shoots fantastic still images as well. It's also brought across Sony's advanced color science. So it does things like optimizing colors and skin tones, especially when you're shooting in selfie mode. There are also features to smooth out your face while maintaining the sharpness of your mouth and eyes when you're looking, when you're filming yourself or taking photos of yourself. It also has built-in optical and electronic image stabilization, which is can reduce the shake by up to 11 times compared with the standard steady shot camera. Very impressive, and I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this. Now, the price is $1,299. So not, not the cheapest camera, but... Uh, it does have a lot of capability in such a small package. It delivers quality without dragging, without you having to drag around all this heavy gear. One thousand two hundred ninety-nine bucks goes on sale in mid-June, so keep an eye out for that, and also keep an eye on our full review that we'll, we'll have on Tech Guide. In the meantime, check out our report so you can see the image of a, image of the ZV1. There's several images of that camera. You can check them all out for yourself at TechGuide.com.au. Now, one thing we've learned about this modern society we live in is that we need to charge our devices. Now, in my case, I've got to remember to charge my watch. I've got to remember to charge my AirPods or my other earphones that I'm using. I've got to remember to charge my phone. And I'll take it even further. I've got to remember to charge my car. I drive a Tesla. Uh, so that's just one other thing I've got to remember to charge, which uh, it's, if you do forget charging that, you're into all sorts of trouble. But... I, um, the, the, the whole idea here is trying to not only trying to remember that stuff, but doing it in a convenient way. That's a real challenge. And what STM has done, STM is the, the company that's come up with the great shoulder bags and backpacks and other accessories. They've come up with a great new product called the Charge Tree. Now, what this is, if you, especially if you're, an, if you're an Apple customer, say you've got an iPhone, AirPods, and an Apple Watch, and I'm sure that plenty of you got the Apple trifecta there listening to this right now. You're probably listening to this on your AirPods, looking at your streaming it from your phone and looking at the time on your Apple Watch. I bet a lot of you listening now fall into this category. So this is a product that's ideal for you. Now, what the charge tree looks like, uh, it's got a front face with a little shelf. That's where you put your phone. At the top, it's got a little a little panel that sits the Apple Watch. So it's got this, the Apple Watch connection there. And behind the panel where you sit your phone is a little panel for your AirPods. Now, particularly if you have the Apple, the AirPod wireless charging case. Uh, the Samsung Galaxy Buds also work with this. I tried this. So you've got the front can charge any Qi compatible phone, whether it's Samsung Apple, whatever phone you got, it'll charge on the front. The top, unfortunately, will only charge Apple Watches. So if you're an Apple Watch customer, good for you. This will work. Other other watch brands, unfortunately, you're out of luck. So you'll have to charge that separately. Uh, if you're a Galaxy Buds user, Samsung, or an Apple AirPods user, whether it's AirPods Pro or AirPods with a wireless charging case, you're in luck as well. So if you've hit the trifecta, if you've got Apple products all around, this is ideal. Now, that shelf on the front has two functions. Not only does it hold the phone in place, but beneath that shelf are three indicator lights. So that tells you that you've placed your device in the right position and it is charging. Particularly useful when you're charging your AirPods because if you don't actually center the AirPods on the panel, there's like a landing pad on the back there. If you don't center it properly, you're going to be you're thinking your AirPods are charging, but it's not. So that little indicator light is to say, yeah, mate, you did it right. It's sitting properly. Your your pods are charging. Same deal when your phone is charging. The, another light will come on, and when your Apple Watch is charging, again, you'll get the display light to say, yep, you're in the right spot, and you're charging. So good to go. So this this product, it's it's 119 bucks. It's ideal for your bedside table, I reckon, for those people who want to wake up and have their phone, watch, and AirPods all charged at the same time. Perfect. 
or if maybe on your desktop in your home or office. It's got a very small footprint, so it's only it's it's less than the size of a smartphone. The base of it, I've got it right here in my hand, and it it's a, it's a very small desktop footprint, so very easy to position. One cable too, USB C connection in the back, uh, USB uh, 2.0, 3.0 at the other side, so that fits into a a charger into your wall into a PowerPoint. I tried charging it off a computer USB, didn't quite give me enough power. So you you need you need to put find a little USB brick that goes into a into the wall socket, cable that comes with the STM charge tree, connects to that, one cable then into the charge tree. So you think of the advantage there, no needing to find three different charges, three different PowerPoints and three different cables. It's one. So convenience, less cable clutter. Uh, all around a very good idea. I've known the guys at STM for quite some time. A shout-out to Adina and Ethan. I've known these guys since they started the companies in the company in the early 2000s out of their garage in Bondi. And now they, they are an internationally known company selling in Apple stores in Australia, in the US and across Europe. Uh, really proud of these guys. They've done such a great job with their, their bags and their other products that they've developed. And now with they've expanded into the product line like the Charge Tree, which is a very handy device to for you to purchase. It's 119 bucks, And you know what? It's worth it for the convenience. Uh, and just being able to charge everything in one place. You can keep your eye on them. You can still angle your phone so you can see what's if you've got any messages coming in or stuff like that. And if, if, you're, a, if you're an Apple customer ideal we'll still charge other phones and other i think the samsung galaxy buds i did get that to charge on there we'll only charge the apple watch though but as i said if you got the apple trifecta perfect for you the stm charge tree priced at 119 bucks and if you want to check it out you can do that at techguide.com.au this is tech guide with stephen fennec The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by our good friends at Netgear. They're the number one Wi-Fi brand in Australia. Now, is your Wi-Fi feeling old? Does it buffer while streaming? Do connecting, just connecting new devices slow it down? Can it handle gaming, video calls, large file transfers? And what do you do if you have to do all of that at once? It doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is if your Wi-Fi router is old and outdated. With the Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear, your Wi-Fi will feel new again. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest technology that allows more devices to connect and stream simultaneously without impacting speed or reliability. Stream in HD, 4K, hell, stream even in 8K without buffering. Eliminate the lag while gaming. Connect more devices to your Wi-Fi than ever before. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is like upgrading your Wi-Fi to first class. If you're ready for Netgear's best Wi-Fi ever, you can get it today from Netgear and never worry about Wi-Fi again. Check out Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 at netgear.com.au slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our good mates at Belkin. If you're after a charger, a cable, speakers, all types of products, headphones for your wide headphones for your iPhone or Android device, you can get them through belkin.com forward slash au. Now, the Tech Guide Help Desk this week, a couple of quick questions that we had. Uh, one we had over the weekend was about a Foxtel, the Foxtel IQ box. And I get this question a lot, and people ask me, look, I'm upgrading to the IQ4, but I've got a lot of recordings on my IQ3. Can I transfer them to the IQ4? And unfortunately, you can't. You cannot get them off the drive because of copyright issues. If it was easy to get it off the drive, there would be a problem because people would record a movie, share it easily with friends and family, keep it themselves, maybe pirate it. So uh, hence the reason why getting stuff off an IQ3 is near impossible. Any IQ drive, you can't do it. And so my my answer, though, is that normally if you're upgrading to an IQ4 or even 2 to a 3, you can watch everything you've, you've got on your hard drive. I will guarantee unless it's like a free-to-air show that is like a game show or something like that, you'd be able to watch it on demand. 
So if you've got a movie, for example, you can watch it on demand. If you've got a, a an episode of a TV show, watch it on demand. If you've got a another a new uh, like a like a reality show that's that's like a series on Fox, you can say it after me. Watch it on demand. So that that's kind of solves that problem. Uh, the, unless you've got something that you've recorded. I think the guy that contacted me, I think it was a contestant on uh, Hot Seat, Millionaire, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And he wanted to keep his episode that he recorded on his Foxtel box. I can understand why he'd want to do that. But unfortunately for him, he can't do it. He can't take that recording off the box. I can, I suggested he contact Channel 9 and give him, give him the date of the broadcast and get him to send him a copy of the show. Uh, the other question I, I also get, and this is this happens a lot uh, when people are messaging each other, and sometimes the messages don't get through. Now, the, what I found is the reason for this is because a lot of people that like ninety nine percent of people who have this issue is because one person's on Android and the other person is on an iPhone. And I know that whenever I it's like I use an iPhone usually as my daily driver, but I often switch to Android for months at a time because I know I've got to review a lot of phones. And if I don't switch off iMessage on my iPhone and switch to my put my SIM in the Android phone, I won't receive or if I send a message to someone who's on who's got an iPhone, it probably won't get through iPhone, if you don't switch off iMessage, your messages will get stuck in this iMessage loop. And what happens with an iPhone, you can also, there's a setting that says send as text message. So if I'm sending a message, for example, to a friend who's an Android user, my iPhone will detect, oh, hang on, this person doesn't have an iPhone. They're not good enough to have an iPhone. So we're going to send this as a common text message. iMessage is used as data. Text message uses the cellular network, so it uses the actual network, the phone network. And so iMessage is sent as data. The other one is sent as uncrypt, unencrypted as a normal text message. So that could be the discrepancy here. If you don't have that send as text message setting switched on on your iPhone, you may not be able to send messages to non-iPhone users. That's what I've found. And my wife gets really annoyed every time I switch to an Android phone. My first test, mes- test message is to her. So God bless you, Joe. Thank you for being patient with me. I say, I've just switched. My message always reads, I've just switched to Android. Did you get this? And then the, the one word reply, the very patient reply is, yes, I did. So that, that there you have it. If you're having dramas with messages, Android to iPhone, just make sure on the iPhone side you've got that sender's text message switched on. And if you're trying to get your shows off the iQ, don't, don't bother. You can't do it. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that's uh, these common problems that we get. And uh, we hope we solve these problems for you. That is the end of our show for this week. Episode 402 just went like a flash. Everything we've spoken about, of course, you can find at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, feel free, email us, info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special shout-out, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening. Support the sponsors that support us. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.